0: welcome to the spartan underground show your ultimate resource for everything spartan race training discover what the best sgx coaches are doing to help their clients boost performance dominate obstacles and get through each race for be free here is your host mike diebler all right. What's up, everybody? This is STX coach Mike Diebler, and thanks for joining us on episode 29 of the Spartan Underground STX show. If you want to check out the show notes for any links mentioned in this episode, you can head on over to spartanunderground.com slash episode 29. If you want to get a hold of me or have any questions you want me to answer on the show, feel free to contact me at info at spartanunderground.com. I want to give a quick shout-out to the sponsors of this show. First up is Designer Protein, who've been making high-quality both whey and plant-based protein products for the past 25 years. You can check them out at designerprotein.com. And don't forget, listeners to this show get 20% off. Just use code Premier 20 at checkout. Also, we have Mobilitas, your new favorite mobility tool. They're on the path to making some of the best mobility, mobility tools on the planet from foam rollers, mobility spheres, and peanuts with a few more products on the way. You can check out their products at hurt.com. Well, I have to admit I'm a little depressed. I don't have another race coming up for uh, about two months. So looks like I'm going to be focusing on training and recovery, but hopefully that'll be good news for you guys because I am going to be hard at work training and most likely putting out some more videos, articles, and other content to kind of show some insight on what I'm doing, other things I've discovered from interviewing other coaches, and basically anything I think might help you guys out with your training, uh, including a recent blog post I just did that. If you haven't seen it yet, definitely check it out. One question I get all of the time from clients or anyone who's looking to train for a Spartan race is what products or what pieces of equipment they think that they should get or what are my my go-to or, or Um, most popular Spartan race training tools. So I came up with my five essential tools that I think you should probably purchase or find a place that has these five things. If you wanna find out what those are, you can see a link in the show notes for the blog post I did. I am going to mention a couple of them in this podcast. Um, but if you want the whole list and why I think that they're the best Spartan race training tools, you're going to head over to the show notes and check out that article. Um, I will give the warning, and I mentioned it in the article, that i it, it's hard to answer this question because I think you shouldn't limit yourself, and you should definitely have a large toolbox so you can use all the different things out there but I also understand you might not have a huge budget or a place that you can go to that just has all of these cool uh, optical course race training equipment so I tried to narrow it down to uh, more affordable simple things that anybody could have in their garage if they wanted and uh, still get a, a ton of, of results from using these five pieces of equipment so definitely check out that article So in this episode, we have Brooke Bowen on from RFT Training to give us our Spartan Race recap of the Vegas Super from a couple weeks ago. Uh, In our research review, I'm going to dive into Dynamic Variable Resistance Training, what that is and why you should be including it in your training program. And I have SGX coach andy hardy on from wired for life fitness and you may recognize andy um if you don't recognize her voice you probably recognize her picture or or her on video uh, especially if you've gone to any of the workout tours there's a good chance you've seen her there or some of the the live feeds that have been on fa- uh, facebook andy's done quite a few of those but andy is the, the barbed wire queen of green and she pretty much eats barbed wire for breakfast and she shares her incredible story on how she found fitness to really emerge from an incredibly dark place in her life and how fitness and Spartan Race training was one way that she was able to to get out of depression and really turn her life around and find inspiration and in turn and start inspiring others. And as you'll hear in her story, Annie really had every reason to quit and give up, but she had uh, was able to push through all of these different obstacles that life threw at her. And she's going to share some of her strategies that helped dig her out of this dark hole and, and beat some of those demons that were dragging her down. And um, I think we've all had that time in our life where we've just been beaten up and feel like quitting and giving up. And luckily and hopefully you found a way to turn it around and, and push through. But if you ever have face something like that and are having a hard time, uh, this is just such a great story and Andy's a a great inspiration and a great motivator. So definitely stay tuned uh, to hear her story. And with all that being said, let's get into this week's episode.
1: Hi, this is Brooke Bowen with Team RFT Coaching. And I just did the Las Vegas Super Spartan Race. And it was a tough course. Spartan put on another tough course. It was was nice to get to run through some different terrain though. They started us out. We got to run through the river for a ways, um, which is nice. It's a hot day. We got lots of water on the course. And and then just endless sand. I think anyone you talk to about this race is going to mention sand because it was relentless and went on and on um which slows the run a little bit but then we we got into some great grassy areas and um, the rig was along there and it was a tougher rig but luckily i was able to get through it i know lots of people struggled with it it was pretty classic with some baseballs and rope and rings in the bar um, and we came to some barbed wire that was in the wet grass. We're going to say maybe six inches of water in this grass that you had to go through and pretty low. It felt, it felt nice to go through that. I, I would prefer that any day over some rocky barbed wire, but later in the course we got two more sections of barbed wire, so they were not short on that. Um, in fact it was up and down in the dirt later on and Let's see, then we came around, um, ended at the raceway, I believe, but they had lots of hills there, ups and downs, from about mile six on, the course was 8.2, so from mile six on, they saved at least a third of the obstacles, and we kept thinking, well, we still have to do this and that, but uh, did the some of the water though the dunk wall came out to do the spear throw right into a log flip which is new so rather than flipping a tire it's kind of like a, a heavy log it's similar to a tire but you log flip that a couple times and then right into the rope climb and the sled drag and the twister, which is the new obstacle, that one's a challenge. That one, I need to work on myself personally, but um, but a lot of people were getting through it. And then, after that was right into the monkey bars, so blasted your grip, but um, yeah, it was a great race, hot day, beautiful weather. I love the hot heat. So. So it was good.
0: Thanks for having me. All right, in this week's research review, I want to talk about variable resistance training. And in the blog post that I recently did, I actually mentioned two tools that you can use that increase variable resistance training. So, what it is, is essentially just like it sounds it's not a constant resistance so when you picture typical training tools like a kettlebell or barbells or dumbbells or anything like that if it's a 10 pound weight it's always going to be a 10 pound weight and we can increase variability where we change resistance by adding things like sandbags right if you pick up a sandbag the weight actually moves in your hand so it changes the load as you move Um, are also bands. Bands is a great way to do this because the more you stretch it out the more variability you're going to get and the more resistance you're going to get. So this is what is meant by variable resistance training and specifically what I want to talk about here is adding it with traditional training and you may have seen things like this before whether you've done it yourself or maybe seen in, in the gym where people are adding things to traditional weights like you might see bands attached to a barbell or chains attached to a barbell um, things like that that is actually a way to combine your traditional training with this more variable resistance training so i wanted to talk uh, quickly about a couple studies that were pretty recently done looking at this effect where you you combine traditional training with resi- uh, with band training. And the first one was from the Journal of Strength and Conditioning, uh, actually this month, 2017. Uh, the title was Variable Resistance Training Produced Greater Strength and Power Adaptations Than Traditional Resistance Training in elite, elite Youth Rugby League Players. So we're focusing on rugby league players here, but I figured that's still an athletic population that um, would be practiced. Uh, practical to what we're talking about and I probably don't have to really get into the study too much because the title really says what happens but they broke these uh, athletes into two groups and for six weeks had them do the exact same workout they did two upper body two lower body workouts per week um, but just one minor change when they did bench press one group did it with uh, a bar with bands on the ends and what they found was that variable resistance training group saw greater increases in strength and greater velocity of the lift or power improvements. Um, both saw improvements. So I do want to bring up that point that this should not be replacing anything. It just showed that adding the bands actually enhanced the effect of traditional training by by a little bit. So, so both were great, but bands actually improved strength and power a little bit more. Um, also, there was a study, again, from the general... Uh, journal of strength and conditioning research in 2016 uh title this one was free weight augmented with elastic bands improves bench press kinematics in pro rugby players so i don't know why they're always testing these rugby players with bands but again here's another one uh with with a group of athletes and this was more so the previous study was over six weeks and they saw that adaptation there here they just looked at an acute session where they just looked at one workout broke everybody up into two groups and then actually had them switch so they did both the control which was just regular bench press and then the experimental design which involved adding bands and basically they had them lift 85 percent of their one rep max until failure and to make up for the bands they considered that to be about 20 percent so they would have 60 percent of the weight from the barbell and weights and then the other 20 percent would have been from the band and in the band group they saw increases in range of motion in which the bar was accelerated concentrically. So when basically that lifting phase, they had greater range of motion under force, increased max velocity, and increased external resistance um, uh, uh, throughout the lift. So basically, they again, it, it was showing there was um, an increase in velocity, they could move the bar faster, or they had to move the bar faster, and it stimulated those muscle fibers even more. And really, I want to talk about the practical aspect of what all of this means. So adding bands to traditional training like barbells and dumbbells, even kettlebells uh, enhances that lift tremendously to increase power in some studies, even increasing muscular size um, or an increasing strength or all of the above, if that's something that you're going for. So uh, some of the cool things that it does is it adds more resistance to certain points of the lift. So again, if, if I'm doing, we'll just use the bench press for example, There's certain parts of the bench press where that lift is easy and then other parts where it's going to be more difficult. So, for example, when you're lowering that bar towards your chest, you're going to have that sticking point where you're going to be able to move it a couple inches and then all of a sudden you're going to have a little bit of a struggle. And then once you get past that point, all of a sudden the lift becomes very easy again as you push it out. So that's a cool thing with bands because you actually, once they're attached to something... They're actually going to be the lightest at the bottom of the lift, so when the bar is by your chest, so when you typically are having the hardest time, the bands are doing the least amount of work against you. But as you push through your sticking point, the band starts to tighten and actually increases the resistance through the end portion. So normally when you just press it out and it's pretty easy, to to finish off that lift you can't let up you have to actually push harder and harder because these bands are going to start pulling more and more so you get more of a constant resistance on those muscles so we're going to get more of a stimulus you're going to recruit more muscle fibers and and enhance that stimulus so you'll have a better adaptation afterwards Also, so that's typically with pushing exercises. So you'll see that like in bench press or in squatting. Um, But if you add it to a pulling exercise, like maybe a row, so we can add, uh, do a barbell row and add the bands that way, now it's actually going to increase the challenge at the most difficult portion of the lift. So as I raise the bar up off the ground towards my chest, the band's gonna start to, to tighten and it's gonna make that end range really difficult there. So that's obviously a lot more advanced, but it's a way to really challenge that end point. Or maybe if you're doing a pull up, you attach your your legs to a band. So when you lift up, when your uh, chin's up at that bar, you have the greatest amount of resistance there. Uh, Adding this type of training also increases the eccentric forces during a lift. And we know, so the eccentric is that lowering phaser where the muscles are being lengthened. So again, if I go back to the bench press, just think when you lower that bar down, the the chest muscles, the pectorals are starting to stretch out and that's where we might see some micro trauma and um, disruption in the muscle fibers, and then they grow and develop stronger and more powerful after the training session and after you've recovered. So that's when most of the adaptations we see from training occur when we really stimulate that eccentric lift. And you might have heard of things like negatives where you really focus on slowing down the eccentric. So this, again, is just another way to do that because the bands are pulling the bar down towards your chest a little bit faster than you normally are used to, so you have to work harder at slowing it down. So you have to decelerate that bar more uh, which is going to stress those muscle fibers even more and then you have to accelerate right out of it which is going to increase that velocity or the power Uh, and because it's a band you can actually increase the movement right so if I again keep using that uh, bench press example if you were to push a bar very quickly up off of your chest and let's say it wasn't your maximal lift you would almost be able to throw that bar where it would like for a split second it would leave your hand and then you would catch it and bring it back down. Well, with the bands, you can accelerate very quickly, but I don't have to slow down or worry about that happening because the band's going to keep pulling down. So, as soon as I lock those arms out, it's ready to go back down so I can lower down immediately and then push back up. So, this would be typically more for a lighter resistance, whether I'm squatting or or doing a bench press or even push-ups. I can increase that velocity and have constant tension. A constant time under tension of that muscle, which is a great way to improve strength and, and power. So all of these things are just great ways to enhance your current training. Now, you can get a little crazy and you, you want to be careful with this type of training because there's probably going to be more muscular damage, more soreness and things like that after this type of training. So my personal recommendation is probably limit yourself to one day a week of doing this type of training, but I highly recommend trying it. Um, so if you are going to do like in that first study, maybe an upper body, lower body split. So maybe you can do it with push-ups or pull-ups or, or bench press um, one day, and then your next day you're going to do it with squats or deadlifts. But don't repeat that movement again with the bands uh, until uh, the next week. That way you have some plenty of time to recover, and then you can adapt and, and change once you've gotten used to that. All right, so definitely check it out. If you don't have any bands, and, and these have a bunch of different names, you, you might hear strength bands or... Or monster bands, or power bands, whatever you want to call them, but they're the big bands that kind of look like a rubber band. You just attach it to the uh, one band to each end of the the barbell, and then some squat racks will have hooks right on there. You get a heavy weight and just tie it to that, and then you just perform your lifts that way. Either a heavy load um, and work on that max strength, or maybe a lighter load and you just work on the speed of the lift. So I'm a big fan of one thing I personally do is I might be doing traditional lifting, so maybe I'm doing like a barbell squat, and I'm going for a heavier resistance and then I might throw the weight off and then I throw a band on and I go for more maximal speed to finish out my my sets. So hopefully that's a couple ideas for you to mix up your workout. Um, Again I'll put some links in the show notes where you can pick up some of these bands or some videos in case you haven't seen it before. All right, it is time for the SGX Coaches interview, and today I'm with SGX coach Andy Hardy with Wired for Life. Andy is an incredibly talented coach and motivator. She actually left her career as an educator to pursue a life of inspiring others in the fitness industry. She's a personal trainer, and SGX coach, and works with clients through her business called Wired for Life. She has also been working with Spartan Race, leading their workout tours across the country. And today she's here to share a little bit about her story and how she might be able to inspire you. All right, Coach Andy, how are you doing today?
2: I'm doing great, thank you.
0: Thank you so much for joining us. I'm really excited to do this interview because I know you're going to just blow our listeners away with some great info and great content. So you ready?
2: Thank you for having me. Yes, I'm ready.
0: All right. Awesome. Well, let's just get started with a little bit more about you. For anybody that is listening to our show that hasn't heard of you before, um, just tell us a little bit about your background.
2: Okay. Well, I came from a background. I played some ball sports in high school and a little bit in college. I always loved sports, loved being outdoors, loved being active, had a hard time in school, focusing, paying attention, and um, sports were kind of my outlet, but I was never really good at anything, just... I played, had fun with it, wanted to be good at it, um, but was never really great at anything and um, had a lot of knee issues from a very young age. And so that restricted some of my my playing abilities. Um, And then when I graduated from college, I I really shied away from sports because of my knee injuries. I had several surgeries. I've had probably, I don't know, nine or ten knee surgeries to date. Wow. Um, doctors told me, you know, you can't run, you can't jump, you've got to stay away from those kinds of sports. And, and so I did, I listened to them and um, went from knee surgery to knee surgery, trying to figure out how I can do the things that I want to do. So then I got into watching sports. I watched a lot of football. I watched a lot of basketball. I watched people do the things that I wish I was doing and, um, got into life and, um, had a career and, a stressful career, I owned my own business and, and things like that. And life kind of took over. Um, I was working all the time and not taking care of myself. Had a child, you know, putting her first and taking her to all her activities and things like that. And um, stress eating. I was in the car a lot. So I'd eat and whatever I could just to feel better and um, didn't really work out very much. And One thing led to another and I got unhealthy and overweight and depressed and in bad situations. And um, just it continued to compile one thing after another, after another. And I got to a very, very dark, dark, deep hole in my life. And to the point where, no, I just didn't want to wake up in the morning anymore. It was just it was life was miserable. And um, actually, it was about about six years ago, I, I woke up, it was actually April fool's day. I woke up and was just dreading going to my school. I owned a private school and was dreading going. Cause I knew, you know, kids really getting into that day and practical jokes. And I was not into it. I was just miserable, woke up and barely could get out of bed and looked at them in the mirror. I looked at myself and looked at my eyes and, um, you know, my pants, I could barely button them. And I was like, huh, I don't want to, I don't want to buy any more clothes. Um, this is ridiculous. And just looked at myself at that sad face and sunken eyes. And I said, you know what, Andy, you're a fool. You're the fool. Um, April fool's day on you. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you're in this miserable place and you hate life and you hate, you hate what what's happening with your business and you hate your body and you hate how you feel and you hate how you look and you're miserable. And, you know what? Nobody cares. Nobody really cares that much. That's going to change you. The only person that can change you is yourself. And, um, so I just, I just stared at myself, washed my face, jumped in the shower. And I said, you know what? you're the one that has to make the change. And, and, um, if do you want to change or do you want to be like this, what do you want? And I decided right then on that day, I'm going to make some changes. So, um, breakfast that morning, instead of having my normal frosted shredded wheat with peanut butter, (laughs) (laughs) you know what? Um, no, threw the box away. And, um, look for a healthier option. Um, While I was waiting for my daughter to get ready for school, I went on the internet and found a program that I could um, count kind of like Weight Watchers to count calories and help me learn how to eat better. Um, I decided when I got home from work that day, I was going to spend 30 minutes doing some sort of workout some way, somehow I was going to work 30 minutes into it and um, develop, developed a plan that three days a week, 30 minutes, at least I could do that and um, tracked my, um, calories and watch what I eat. And, and after about, you know, three, four weeks, it was, it was miserable. I was hungry. I was craving food and, um, it was really tough to get up a half an hour earlier to get in that workout. Um, and, but I started noticing I was losing some weight. I was feeling a little bit better. I was having a little bit more energy and, um, and I'm the type of person that I'm very goal driven. If I have a goal, and something to work for, then I can, I go after that. So, um, because I couldn't run or didn't think I could run, um, I could swim and I could ride bike. And so I was like, you know what, what's a sport that you can swim and ride bike? Oh, a triathlon. Um, so I can walk. So I decided I would do a triathlon and I would, um, swim and bike and I would walk and just finish it. And that would be my goal. And I had four or five months to train for that. So the three days, turned into five days. The half an hour turned into an hour. And um, when I got to the triathlon, um, I swam, I biked, and then I got to the run part and I could not stand watching women (laughs) (laughs) passing me. And I said, I can't do this. I can't do this. I'm going to run it. I'm going to run it. And I finished and I got, I think like eighth place in my age division or something. And my time was really not terrible. I think I had a 36 minute Five K, which, you know, for somebody over forty and their first time running in twenty some years, it wasn't horrible. know, yeah, um, absolutely. <laughs> so I felt like, whoa, you know, I can still walk. Um, that wasn't so bad. I was really, really excited. And I had lost a good twenty pounds maybe, um, at that point. And um started feeling better about myself. Um, I made some other changes in my life, um, gave up my business and said, you know what, this is not working. Um, it was a very financially tough time. I made my, my daughter had went off to college, um, at the age of 16, which was really rough on me to send my, she was still a baby in my eyes, but she went off to college in downtown Atlanta at that. Um, and, um, my fam- only family that I had here in Georgia had moved back to my home state of Minnesota. So my family was gone and a relationship that was really, really on the rocks. And, um, I just, I just started making change after change after change. And that triathlon gave me the confidence that, you know what, Hey, I can maybe do one of those obstacle course race things. Um, you know what, maybe I can run five K. So I signed up for two weeks later. There was a, it was at the time called a Merrill. And dirty. It was an obstacle course race. Um, I think they still have it out there, but it was a local thing and it was two weeks after the travel on. So I had enough confidence that I could run three miles. And so I ran the race and just ran it and got through the obstacles and and I ended up winning. Um, I think I won like a hundred bucks or something like that. got (laughs) on the podium and I was shocked. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe like I I did this, and um, so I hadn't even gotten home, but I got on my phone after that race and um, got on Spartan Race's website and signed up for a Spartan race, because I said, if I can do this, I wonder if I could do a Spartan race, Um, so I was signed up for the Georgia Sprint in 2012, and and of course, was nervous and didn't know about my knees, but I thought, well, I can run three miles, so somehow I can do this, Um, so I started incorporating a little bit of running into my training, continued on my weight loss journey, uh started getting healthier. You know, my blood pressure was coming down and um different things like that. Um, getting gaining confidence. And I think it was like December twenty eighth is when I officially started training for the Spartan race. Um I signed up for the Spartan workout of the day, not knowing how in the world to train for this thing. <laughs> I studied Spartan Race. I was on their website every single day. I was learning all the key names. I followed Hobie Call. I watched everything he did. Um, I learned, okay, how do I throw a spear? Well, I got a stick and I started throwing a stick at a target. I I looked at the obstacles. How am I going to climb a rope? So I got a rope and I got a ladder and put it up in a tree and well, the limb broke, but, (laughs) um, you know, but I, I worked on different skills and I did a lot of research and, um, YouTube videos did the workout of the day. So one of the first ones I had was 25 burpees and I could only do seven. (laughs) I did seven burpees and that was it. I, I was done, but I thought, you know what, just keep working hard, keep trying. You'll get there. Um, I emailed Spartan, and I said, um, will these workout of the days really get me prepared for a Spartan race? And the reply was, do another one after dinner. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, you know, and it was a joke, but at the time I was like, oh, okay, I guess I need to train twice a day. So my hour or so of training a day turned into two-a-day trainings. Um, I did a couple of 5K runs just to test my running. And on in March 2012, my first Spartan race went to the start line. Um, well I met Hobie Call the night before and I was like starstruck, like oh, <laughs> this is the guy, this is, this is the guy of OCR. And, um, I'm going to be running in the same heat he is and because I'm a competitor. So of course I signed up for the elite heat with the wild dream <laughs> that at the time they were given away the Spartan helmet, the Spartan sword and the Spartan um, dagger mm-hmm. for, for second and third place. And I had this wild dream, you know how you daydream about things and, I would just imagine what it would be like if me, Andy Hardy, who was never really a star at anything and barely, you know, (laughs) just learning to run would be on that podium. And I daydreamed about it and fantasized about it. And anyway, I met Hobie call and he gave me a couple of pointers about things. And I was just amazed that he would even talk to me and, um, I didn't tell him that I was going to be racing lead or anything like that. I just listened to what he said and showed up the next morning, um, warmed up. I watched him warm up. I watched a couple of other people that I had noticed, you know, through the Spartan racing warming up and kind of copied what they did. I'm like, Oh, they're doing sprints. So I did some sprints and they did some, um, hip opener things. I did some hip opener things. I was like, (laughs) I don't know how to warm up. I'm just going to watch them and watched and learned. And, um, Went to the start line and then the nerves took over. And I said, What am I doing here? Um, At the time, back in 2012, we had the white columns and the smoke and all of that stuff. And Mm -hmm. um, my nerves just, I I just couldn't take it. And so I went to an employee, a Spartan employee, and I said, I I, I just can't be in this heat. I said, "Um, Can I go in the next heat? And they said, No, (laughs) you can't. It's sold out. You signed up for that heat. You're going in that heat. And I was devastated. Like, Oh my God, I'm going to die. <laughs> um, and then I said, you know what? Okay, Andy, what is your goal here? And I said, all right, I set some goals right there. And I said, one, I want to finish. Two, I want to not be last. <laughs> three, I want to have fun. And so I said, those three goals, Andy, think about those three things. So I went to the very back of the corral. And at the time there were 300 people. That's when we made sure there were 300 people in the corral. And I went to the very back And I said, you know what, just go. If nothing else, you can walk this, just finish it, have fun while you're out there. And, and possibly you won't be last. And if you don't reach all three goals, oh, well, you know what you shot for those goals. So the, the, the gun went off, the smoke went off, we ran and, and, um, I found myself probably a mile in, I was like passing people. I was kind of like, Hey, um, we were in a Creek and, um, trying to get through all these, these mobs of people. And I felt like going. And I remember saying, may I pass you? May I pass you? Can I get by you? And (laughs) (laughs) little by little, I'd go and then I'd run down the hill. and, And I was like, I felt so free. And I took a moment and I said, you know what, Andy, you're so lucky. Because all these years, the doctors have been telling you, you can't run and look at you, you're running today, you're running. And you're out in the woods, and you're out doing something you love to do. And I got to the obstacles and I loved doing the obstacles. Um, went through the barbed wire and I remembered everything Hobie told me. And well, he told me to roll and I rolled and I was so dizzy coming out of that. <laughs> um, and um, got out. They have the spear throw right after the barbed wire crawl. Of
0: course,
2: yeah. <laughs> did the spear, missed it, did my burpees. By then I could do, you know, 30 burpees no problem because um, I'd been practicing them every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and went and, um, through the race uh one obstacle after another and found myself alone a lot of the time but just really really enjoying what i was doing um and when i finished um they put a medal around my neck and you know i just about collapsed but (laughs) walked through (laughs) got water and they said we'll we'll see you at awards and i said oh yeah i said i'm gonna come and watch the awards and they said, no, we'll, we'll see you at wards. You're number, t- you're second place. And I'm like, what? Like second, cause I had done some five K's. So mm-hmm. second age group. And I said, how do you know that already? And they said, Andy, one was the first female. <laughs> I'm like, Who is you? And I said, me, I'm second. Like I'm second female. And they're like, yes. I'm like, no way. There's no way possible. And they're like, yes. And I'm like, oh no, you miscounted. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So I did, I got on the podium, my very first race and, wow. um, Shocked, totally shocked. I didn't even know how to handle it. Um, getting lots of pictures. I had lots of people coming up to me and like, how did you train? And, and I was like, um, I don't really know how I got here. Um, so it was supposed to be a one and done. Like I was going to do this race. It was my goal to kind of show myself, Hey, you can do this. But I caught the, I caught the bug. I drank the Kool-Aid and I thought, you know what? I can't have a Spartan sword without a Spartan helmet you know, if I can get second, maybe I can get first. Maybe that was a fluke. Maybe I wasn't, maybe, you know, there was no talent, maybe who knows. And so, um, I signed up for another race and I said, I'm going to go to that race and get that helmet. So that inspired me to make more changes, um, more changes in my diet. Um, my, I amped my training up a little more, um, studied more researched more like, how can I get running? How can I run faster? And I went to the next race, and I won that race. Um, unfortunately, they did not have the helmet at that race. Oh. <laughs> so I was really, really ticked off about that. And so I said, well, fine. I'm going to just go to another race. So I decided to go to New York. I said, you know what? I'm going to go to New York. If I can win in New York, then this maybe, maybe I am good at this. Mm-hmm. And so, again, trained. I made more changes in my life. Um, went to New York. I won that race. I got my helmet. Awesome. And- And that just inspired me to keep going, keep going. And by then, um, then Spartan contacted me and wanted me to do some things, um, to talk about a pro team. And that was before we had the Spartan pro team. And, um, so I went to several, I just raced and raced. I think I did 25 races that year, um, had a really good, good successful year, um, Joe DeSanna. I asked Joe if we could put together a women's team for another race series. And he said, if you get on the podium at the Pennsylvania race, I'll send you. And I was like, but it's my idea. And he said, Nope, you got to get on the podium. (laughs) I said, all right, I did. I got on the podium, got together a women's team. We went and raced and won that race series as a Spartan women's team. Um, so that was really, you know, kind of how I got going. Um, I was motivated by success. I was motivated because I wanted to do something. I wanted to prove to myself that, um, that I was good at something. And, um, you know, I was living my dream that I'd always wanted to be an athlete and a star and I was getting that, that success. And then along the way, I was meeting people that were very inspiring to me. Um, I met Chris Davis, um, For people back then that knew Chris Davis, he had lost hundreds of pounds and, and got his life on track and, um, met Margaret Schlachter who dirt in your skirt and just many, many inspiring people along the way. And I found people asking me questions like I was an expert and, and I really wasn't at the time. I just did a lot of hard work and, and research and how, how is this going to work for me? Um, and so I just continued. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed meeting people. Um, I was a teacher at the time. So I was teaching children, had a team of kids go to a Spartan race. We did it together as a team, kids race. Um, and one thing just led to another thing. And then eventually Joe asked me if I would be interested in working for Spartan and leading the workout tour. Of course, I was like, I'm all about that. And if I can make my whole life Spartan, I will. And, and so I did. Um, by then, my health had completely turned around. My high blood pressure was now great, and my high cholesterol was now normal, and um, lost weight, felt great, gaining confidence, getting my life back together. I was excited to wake up every morning and um, really, really had changed my life and, and wanted to share that with other people Um and so, through the workout tour, I was able to do that, be um, inspiring to other people, and and watch them on their journeys and changing their life. And, you know, as a teacher in that kind of a career, you you have a heart for helping people, and 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 uh, especially children. And. Um, so I took those strategies of being a teacher and applied them to the workout tour and, and went through um, training, became a personal a certified personal trainer, went through the Spartan SGX program, became certified, learned as much as I could learn about coaching because I thought if I'm in front of hundreds of people teaching them, I want to make sure I know what I'm talking about and I mean, I still do a lot of research. Um, I don't pretend to know everything. And, and if there's an exercise I'm not quite clear on, I will, I'll look it up. I'll study it. I'll, I'll ask ac- experts about it. Um, continually taking continuing ed classes. Uh, so I know what I'm talking about, uh, because what worked for me doesn't necessarily going to work for somebody else and everybody's different. And, um, and most recently I'm starting to take yoga, um, Teacher training, I'd like to be a certified yoga instructor. So, right now I am starting to teach yoga um, because I have found that yoga has been a balance between slamming a sledgehammer into a tire and, and running hard up hills and in intervals and doing burpees and the balance with yoga of taking care of my body and recovery and, and so forth. So, so anyway, through the workout tour, I have found that, um, I really get a chance to talk to people and, and possibly be a little spark that might help them make some lifestyle changes to find their happiness because being unhappy is a very bad place to be. And, um, you know, we have this life we're given and, and everybody has their idea of what their purpose is. And, and I think um, my purpose in life, I want to make the world a better place, um, whatever that might be or whatever it might mean. And, and people are my passion. And if I can make somebody's life a little bit better by something I say or something I do or whatever it might be, then... That's that's what I want for my life.
0: Yeah, um, that, that's just amazing. And well, one, <laughs> you're making my my job super easy here. But um, <laughs> uh, just you know, thank you for sharing that story because I know our listeners. There's probably people in the same exact boat as you were and are looking for for some type of help and and they aren't sure where to go. And and it's it's funny when you mentioned your story with uh, when you did that first elite heat and made your way to the back. I have to admit my very first one, I basically did the same exact thing. So I, I just was like, let me just try the elite heat. And then I got in there and I'm like, I don't know if I should be in here. It was like my third, second or third race ever. And so I just started letting people push ahead of me and I'm like, I'm just going to go in the back. But then I started going and, and I was like, I can keep up with, you know, I'm not going to win this, yep. but I'm passing people. And, you know, I see people doing burpees. I made it through this one. And I think it's we put that pressure on ourselves. That, mm-hmm. You know, we we're trying to live up to some, you know, unrealistic expectations sometimes. And, you know, your goals were perfect, right? You know, mm-hmm. you finish, have fun and, well, and not come in last. But even if you <laughs> come in last, you know, no big deal. It's right. It, that's that's fine. As long as you you finished and had fun, I think you're you're well on your way. And then the next race, maybe right. you can you can beat one person,
2: and that's what um I took on a role with Spartan for a couple of years, um, because I was going to almost every single race. Uh, and because my passion is to help people, I would go out with the very last heat, probably ten, fifteen minutes after the last heat took off. And I would follow the last person, whoever it might be and i would stay with them and make sure they finished um they would want to quit and i think i only had one or two quit i think i did that for like i don't know 25 30 races wow and listening to their story and listening why they're there drug addicts or um you know hugely overweight people that maybe 400 400 pound person or maybe somebody that just um got a divorce or lost their child. I heard so many stories and they were so inspiring and so many times they wanted to give up. And, and I said, you know what, we're going to get through this. And I climbed the rope for a few of them here or there, you know? Mm -hmm. And I said, you know what, it's your race. Uh, I am your teammate. How can I help you? And maybe they were having a really hard time doing 30 burpees. And so I'd help with some of the burpees or whatever it might be. And I found, you know, these people are so inspiring to me because I naturally have some athletic ability. Um, you know, I'm not like some of the top, I'm not Amelia Boone or Rose Wetzel or, you know, Hunter McIntyre. Um, I don't have, I'm not a collegiate top star athlete. Um, I don't come from that kind of background. I'm not made that way, but I have a lot of heart and soul and, if you apply that heart and soul and that hard work, you can accomplish a lot more than you even expect you can. And and so hearing these people's stories and why they're there and, and what they want to accomplish, and, and they didn't care if they were last. I mean, yeah, nobody wants to be last. But once they realized, you know what? And I would tell them, just because you're last doesn't mean you really are because there were like 15 heats ahead of you, so somebody might have a worse time than you, you know, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. I would have to say to them, but, um, and I said, you know what, somebody has to be last. And I realized that myself, somebody has to be last some, you know, we got to have somebody. So maybe there's only two people in the race. One of you is going to win. One of you is going to lose, but. Um, no matter what it is, and and maybe d- people race for different reasons. There's us, like you and me, who race competitively. We're we're competitive spirited people. We want to win, but there are people who do it just to just to finish, just to feel a sense of accomplishment. And um, so through those people, I really, really my eyes were open to the whole aspect of Spartan and and the community and and why people do what they do, and and realizing too, not everybody trains to win. But everybody has a goal and whatever that might be, whatever their journey might be, yeah. that there's a way to support that in a way to maybe help and inspire them and, and be there for them when they fall or when they have difficult times. Because we all do, no matter what, we all have those days. And as happy as you can be, as perfect as your life might be, there's going to be those moments when having a coach or having somebody cheer for you is is necessary.
0: Yeah. So, and, um, and I even loved how you kind of started where, you know, when you were telling your story and when you were at your low point and you finally realized that nobody was going to help you and, you know, you had to take yourself, take that first step and then you can eventually find places for help. And it's, you know, it's kind of like that old saying, you know, when the, when the student's ready, the teacher appears that whole thing. But a lot mm-hmm. of people are just waiting for that teacher or waiting for that moment or waiting for something to happen. And it's never going to happen until you take that first step and you're ready to to do that. And um, I mean, you, just going through your story, it, I know it's going to be inspiring for a lot of people and that's in a similar situation, but you had so many reasons to not do what you did. You know, you, you had so many excuses or reasons to just stop and like, you know, say, "Woe is me? Uh, I can't do this. I have bad knees. Um, my situation's not good. You know, whatever it might have been. You know, as you were going through, you just you mentioned so many. So I, I just wanted to ask you, what what were maybe some strategies or or reasons that you were able to overcome some of those obstacles that you saw?
2: Well, it was a matter of facing, I mean, when you really go down to it. It was a matter of facing life or death. Like, do I want to be here anymore? And when you get to that really low spot in your life and you don't want to be there anymore, you don't want to wake up anymore. You're so miserable. And I said, you know what? That's kind of selfish. Like if you've got a child who's looking up to you, who, you know, you've got a mom and a dad who love you and you've got friends out there. You just maybe don't feel it right now. You don't want anything to do with them because you're so depressed but it's a matter of you're going to be here. So make the most of it. And and I think it was just a wake up call for me. Like I'm so miserable each and every day, every hour is miserable. Every night is miserable. I, I hate waking up in the morning. Like it just got to the point where I can be that way or I can make a change. And I just didn't want to be there anymore. I just didn't want to be in that place anymore. And so my choice was, no, I'm not going to make the choice of not living anymore because I felt that was very selfish. Um, I didn't want my child to grow up with, finish growing up without a, without a mom. But, um, so I had her as a motivation and, um, you know, I think it was just a matter of, I just wasn't quite ready to give up on myself and on life. I just realized I have to make some changes and they are overwhelming changes, but, little by little by little, if I just take baby steps, and and that's what I tell people, baby steps, you know, you don't make small goals. Maybe you want to be on the podium of a race someday, but you can't, you're not running or you're 300 pounds overweight or whatever it might be. Baby steps, little small goals and, and reach those goals. Like I would reach, my first goal was a week. If I can go a week without eating such and such and such, I can have Um, you know, a handful of jelly beans on Sunday or, you know, my cheat day. And then I found after a couple of weeks, I didn't need a cheat day anymore. Um. Um, It was just little baby steps, baby steps. And okay, if I lose... 15 pounds, I can buy a new pair of pants or, you know, something like that. I would give myself little, because I'm a very goal oriented person, I would find those baby steps. And what can I do? How can I reach that goal? Where can I go next with that? And I think too, even to this day, I have, I have that. I always need to have something I'm reaching for or something I'm going for silly as it might be, or um, a big deal. It might be, um, that's how I, I find my way and my motivation. Um, and so I usually pick out a race that I might want to do or an activity or something like that and say, okay, this is what I want. And then I work backwards, All right? I've got three months. How am I going to get there? What do I need to do to go from here to there? And for some people, they might not be able to figure that out. And that's where a coach comes, comes into play. And, um, I actually got to a place where I was ready to, I called it retire. I didn't want to race anymore. I had a couple of bad races and I hurt a lot and um, was feeling bad about myself. When you're on the podium a lot and then all of a sudden you're not on the podium anymore, that's, that's something you have to deal with psychologically. It's, it's, you're like, well, am I not good anymore? Or is the field just getting harder? Or am I wearing out? Or, you know, what happens? And so I can only imagine, you know, like the psychology that a lot of professional athletes go through. It's, you go through these cycles in life. And so I got to a point and, um, I had a good friend who reached out and he said, you know what, Andy, don't give up. I'll coach you. I'll coach you. I'll take you on and, and let's see what we can do. And so I, even though I'm a coach and I coach others, I have a coach myself. I have two coaches and, um, they help guide me. And sometimes, you know, if I'm not really training for anything, then we just kind of go, but if I'm training for something, they help keep me on track and, and help guide me in the direction I'm going. And if I'm like I don't know what to do, I'm like, "Hey, this is a running workout that you're going to do today and it might really suck." <laughs> but you know what, if I I know that coach is watching me and I know that coach is is looking at what I'm doing and I don't want to disappoint so I do it. I suck it up and I get it done. And in fact, I'm, I'm, um, training for a couple of races coming up and, and, um, I had a hard, I've laid off running for several months. Um, my knees have really been hurting, but this morning I got up, I got my run in. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't, didn't feel great, but I got up and I got it done because then I can, I feel better. Like, okay, I'm I'm working toward that goal. Um, and I realized what work I need to put in.
0: Yeah, so. I, I just, I, um, I think it's the book, The One Thing, um, when they talk about, you know, some, th- some of the times that your goals can be overwhelming when you have this big vision or, or you just think, I can't get to that. But I just love how you say the baby steps and it's like, okay, you have your big goal and then just think, what's one thing today I could do that would get right. me that much closer? And that's, you know, exactly what you did when you were saying you started and you just needed to get a little bit healthier and lose weight. You weren't talking about winning races or anything like that. And then it was like, well, let me see if I can even you know, walk for a triathlon and all these little things that eventually led to where you are. And I think that that's really going to resonate with people and, and, and help them along their path.
2: Mm. And I think even like, um, a pull up and I, I, I talk about this a lot in the workout tour, like doing a pull up is an important exercise to do if you want to be successful at certain obstacles in a Spartan race. But a lot of times people cannot just jump on a bar and pull themselves up. And it's very frustrating. So if you can't do it, a lot of times we walk away and say, ah, I can't do that and walk away and, and don't do it and don't try it. But, um, what I did is I bought a pull up bar, put it over my bedroom door. And every time I walked through that door, I would make myself attempt it. At first it was just hanging on the bar and not mm-hmm. letting go. <laughs> yeah. And then it was like, pulling myself up an, an inch and then it was two inches. And then I could get to 90 degrees and day after day after day of just noticing it's just a small little improvement. But once I got that first pull up in the whole world changed and Mm -hmm. (laughs) then it was, now can I do two? Now can I do 10? Now can I 20? And, um, so it's just, it is, it's just, Really knowing you've got to keep at it and keep being consistent and, and in time things will happen and, and things don't just don't always happen overnight. Sometimes they do, but, um, you might have hidden talents you don't know about. But the other thing I say is, is always believe in yourself. And the moment you don't believe in yourself, you're not going to do it but you've got to believe. And, um, even when nobody else believes in you, I mean, I had my mom, my parents were like, you can't run. What are you talking about? You're not a runner. And, um, you know, when I brought that helmet home and showed my mom and dad, it was (laughs) 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 what an accomplishment, you know, like, wow, look at me. I'm, I'm 40, 42 years old and I finally did it. I finally won a race. I finally was good at something. And, um, so, so yeah, I say, and I think that too, um, That has really helped me um, in the workout tour and helped me inspire other people because they look at me and like, you know what, I'm just a normal, normal, everyday person who went out there with a goal, determination, worked hard, and I accomplished it. And that's how everybody is. Everybody is just a normal person. Some people have gifts and are very talented, but a, most of us are just normal everyday people. And it just depends on how much heart and soul we want to put into it and what our goals are. And, um, just recently, actually last weekend at a Spartan race, um, I was running an the heat. I was the last one. I was bringing up the pack for, um, a while. And actually very interestingly, my daughter has now started racing and she ran her very first elite heat, um, with me (laughs) and she said, are we running together? And I said, Skylar, this is the elite heat (laughs) (laughs) and I'm a competitor. So if we run together, it's because we're, we're running together at the same speed at the same time. (laughs) because <laughs> we're and, racing yeah so understand this we are racing and <laughs> if you are ahead of me then you keep going and you keep pushing if i'm ahead of you i'm going to keep going and keep pushing and um so we had this understanding beforehand of what was happening so she was ahead of me she was running faster she was over the obstacles before me and i i was kind of like how am i going to feel about this if my daughter beats me you know like <laughs> i'm a competitor but i love my daughter more than anything but what's this going to do to me? Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, but I wasn't like super competitive with her. Like I'm going to beat you. I mean, that's not the relationship we have. And, and I just told her, I said, you know what? You've got youth. I've got experience. We'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, um, the experience took over, but, um, and I, and I caught her eventually. And she said, are you always at the back of the pack? And I said, (laughs) what? Usually I am. And she's like, but how do you end up winning? And I said, I pick them off one at a time. <laughs> i believing and I keep pushing and one at a time. And, um, you know, and that's what happens. I'm, I'm strong on the obstacles and, and I don't do a whole lot of burpees during the race so I can catch people. Yeah. But, um, anyway, so, so yeah, it was very, very, very cool to have her, her racing with me. But anyway, during that race, um, I um, caught up to somebody and somebody was like, Andy, you are my favorite person to chase. <laughs> and <laughs> and um, another race, I had somebody say, Andy, I've been watching you and racing with you and chasing you for three years. I want to beat you today. <laughs> <laughs> and she did. And she ended up beating me. And it was it was bittersweet because part of me was like, oh, I don't like to be beaten. I'm a competitor. But part of me was like, wow. Wow. Maybe I've inspired that person to be the athlete they never knew they were, and inspired them to push a little bit harder than they normally would. so, so so, yeah, I felt when she um took second place on the podium and I was third, I thought, you know what? I have a little part of play in that second place trophy yeah. there, but oh absolutely, but anyway, so it's it's you know, um, it's kind of it's it's really powerful to know that maybe something I'm doing is helping somebody. Reach beyond their wildest dreams, and and to me, that's that's what you know what makes life.
0: Yeah. So. Oh, this has been awesome and and truly inspirational. And I know we could talk about this forever, but um, <laughs> I know you have to get going. um But just real quick, I'm sure your story is going to resonate with some of our listeners. And if they want to reach out to you or just follow you, uh, where would be the best place they they can get a hold of you?
2: Okay, if they want to follow me on Instagram, my Instagram is Barb Wire Queen of Green. So B-A-R-B-W-I-R-E and then queen of green, um, barbed wire. I love the barbed wire and, um, green is my favorite color and I'm known for the girl, the, the, the girl in green. So, um follow me on Instagram, Barbara queen of green. I post a lot of stuff, a lot of motivational things there. Um, also my website is wired for and that's wired with the number four. Um, so you can find me there, reach out to me, my email address is there and everything. Um, you can follow me on Facebook as well. Um, and yeah, so reach out, um, I do take on personal training clients, so if if anybody you know, needs a coach or needs motivation, I do different, lots of different things. Um, by the month or by the race, I have somebody right now that I'm just starting to train for a super coming up in six weeks, so we have a six week plan of what we're what we're going to do, getting that person ready. Uh, maybe it's somebody that just needs help with daily fitness, just just motivation, getting out of bed each day. So I tailor things to meet whatever people need. Um, I also do large group or or small group fitness, so I love motivational things. So, um, you know um, go do an hour motivational team building kind of a workout. I, I do all those kinds of things too, and um, so so yeah, I'm I'm open to a lot of things. Um, awesome, that is yeah. my mission. And inspire. I'll put
0: links to that in our show notes so people can <laughs> uh, just head over and and check all those those sites out. And then plus That's- you know, Wire Queen, they get to see some pretty. So probably the best barbed wire pictures I've seen. So, um, if, if nothing yeah. else, everybody needs to go over and, and check some of those out because it's the awesome. story
2: behind the. Um, you know, you maybe see pictures now of people biting the barbed wire. Um, yeah. Way back in 2012, I was in a race and I had second place locked up, and I knew that I was not going to catch first place. I, I knew there was a good two minute span between us. Um, I had second place locked up. I couldn't see the third place girl and I was in the barbed wire and this was back when the men and the women raced together mm-hmm. was in the barbed wire. And, um, I had started to learn. I had a few races under my belt. The photographers are in your face. And I started to ham it up. I, I'd mm-hmm. never really, I, I was a very, very shy child and person for many years, but, but Spartan race had really brought out the, the personality in me. And so photographers were in my face. Um, I was feeling excited because I was going to get on the podium and, and one of my friends was in the barbed wire with me and, and, um, he was like, go Andy, go, come on, go, go. And I stopped and I bit the barbed wire and I just posed for the (laughs) cameras and he said, what are you doing? You're in a race. You get going. And I said, you know what? it's not all always about winning and losing. It's about having fun. And yeah. right now I'm having a good time biting this barbed wire. And <laughs> so my original picture, um, that you see in a lot of things is, is that, and then other people would see that picture and they were going to do the biting the barbed wire stuff too. So, um, it's always tickles me when I see people, um, posing on a biting the barbed wire picture. Yeah, and <laughs> awesome. so, so yeah. So, um, yeah, thank you for taking the time to talk with me. And, um, I really
0: appreciate it. Yeah, no, thank you for coming on. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for episode 29 of the Underground SGX show. If you want to check out the show notes for all of our guest contact info and any other links or resources we mentioned in this episode, just head on over to spartanunderground.com slash episode 29. Again, I want to thank our sponsors, Mobilitas and Designer Protein. supporting our show and a big thank you for sgx coach andy hardy for sharing her inspiring story and again check out the show notes for more info on coach hardy and also brooke bowen and rft coaching uh, for giving the recap of the uh, super in vegas a couple weeks ago And don't forget, if you have any other uh, questions or need any other help with your Spartan Race training, definitely check out all of the different resources we have at SpartanUnderground.com. And we will see you guys next time.